passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, and now the ankle oh, line. No. McIntyre using Angle's own submission against him. This is the ultimate disrespect. And McIntyre is not going to let go. He's got it locked in. He's going to break Kurt Angle's ankle. Kurt Angle desperately trying to hold on. Somehow trying to hold on. Can Kurt? He's got to tap out. Oh, my God. And McIntyre still won't let go, and finally he, he does. Here is your winner by submission, Drew McIntyre. Imagine the, the embarrassment and the humiliation. Drew McIntyre may have just finished Kurt Angle's career. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. I'm John Pollock, he's waiting. And as you can see, we've got a packed show coming up. There is so much to get to. Way, happy Monday. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. Yeah, if we're not careful, this might end up being longer than our Crown Jewel post show. It could be. We have a lot to discuss. Uh, we have so much to discuss, Way, that Floyd Mayweather going to fight for Ryzen on New Year's Eve is like number four here on my list. Well, let's start from the top. We've got a store. Yeah, finally, yes, after after all your cries, everybody. People um, crying, literally, like just like tears being shed. When, Sending us videos, yeah. I mean, just heartbroken. How yeah. can we get your t-shirts? How can I get a post-wrestling t-shirt? Well, I'm happy to, to, to announce that we finally have an outlet online, the post-wrestling store, store.postwrestling.com. Uh, we have not just one T-shirt, but a whole number of T-shirts out there uh, with our logos on them, with even half of our faces, not our full faces, but maybe half of our faces, even our brains. Our we're, brains are featured. We are selling off our brains. We're exposed. But yeah, store.postwrestling.com. Um, go check it out. It's, uh, it's you know, it's, it's uh, T-shirts. It's open. It's live. Go check it out. Send us your feedback. We appreciate all of it. Positive, negative. Uh, I was going to say indifferent, but if you're indifferent, then I don't need to hear from you. But uh, it's up, and we're going to bother you about it for quite a while. Actually, so. let's let's even start today because, um, well, you know what? Maybe we'll we'll do a we'll do a bit of a give, giveaway, but maybe we'll do it uh, at the end of all the announcements. Yeah, we're going to uh, give away a shirt. To we're we're going to give away a post-wrestling combo pack, which consists of a post-wrestling t-shirt, 
um, uh, postcard that John and I might even uh, take the time to write our names on it for whatever reason, if anybody wants that. And then a couple stickers from the post office. Okay, so that will be going out to a, a patron at the end of our announcement. So one of us will remember that. Uh, but we're going to stay on the, the post-wrestling topic because the post-wrestling cafe, it is now, uh, well, we're approaching our one year since our launch. And we've undergone some 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 changes, some improvements. Renovations. And, yes, renovations. We have uh, We have added some decor to it and... Wait, why don't you take us through some of the changes? Okay, well, post wrestling, uh, our po- the post wrestling cafe, of course, is our Patreon, which uh, everybody can access by going to postwrestlingcafe.com or patreon.com slash postwrestling. And uh, by the way, most of you guys have, might have already heard about all this stuff on the latest Ask Away, for, but please bear with us for the people that don't have Ask Away or, or don't have the Patreon. Um, and basically, um, you know, uh, for $6 a month minimum, you can get access to our post wrestling cafe audio feed which basically at this point consists of two to three bonus shows every single week uh, and these typically consist of the double shot which is basically the place where john and i um discuss all the wrestling related content that we watch throughout the week but don't really have the time to discuss on our regular uh raw smackdown and wwe reviews and you know this will typically consist of things like total divas being the elite on my end and john uh ultima lucha this week ultima lucha uh any anything else that you know uh like uh, on the wwe network anything else that basically we call this the show and tell of uh our our weekly wrestling viewing uh of course it also consists of bi-weekly editions of rewind away which is our uh long-running retro wrestling review show and it's got our New Japan Pro Wrestling reviews. If you go up there right now, if you sign up, you will see a review of our uh, of the Power Struggle show featuring Chris Jericho and Evil from the past weekend. Our Marvel Cinematic Universe film reviews, which have proven to be very popular, where we go through every edition of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's film releases. And right now, I think we're at what? Iron Man 2. So we have a long ways to go. Yes, yeah, so you can go listen to all of them that we have done so far, including... The Iron, the first two Iron Men, and then the next one we've got coming up later this month is Thor. The first Thor, which I mean, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on, John. It's a, uh, I think, a very different movie from where where the trilogy has ended up right now. Uh, but in, in addition, Ask Away, which is our monthly Q and A show, plus you can access the Post Wrestling Cafe section of the Post Wrestling Forum, where you can leave feedback for this show, Rewind a SmackDown, and all of our pay per view uh, reviews. Uh, you get ad-free access to the post-wrestling forum, which I don't even know if a lot of people realize because uh, they might already be members and they don't even see ads. But uh, you get ad-free access if you if you uh, are, are enter if you are a member of, of this uh, six dollar tier. And in, in addition, uh, you get uh, to enter the weekly T-shirt draw, which I guess we should announce uh, very shortly. Yes, uh, let's talk about the. Double double tier, which we have been experimenting more and more, and you probably know the kind of the theme we have is that the six dollar level we've kind of uh, limited to audio, and then at the double double level, that's kind of our our video level, and we've started doing the live post shows immediately after all the WWE pay per views, which is something we are going to continue to be doing, as well as introducing a new. Uh, hangout show that we are doing starting this thursday 
Yeah, we're going to start doing a lot more Google Hangouts. Uh, so, you know, for those of you who uh, basically enjoyed the experience of watching us right after Crown Jewel uh, talk about the shows, we have been doing that for pretty much all of our WWE pay-per-view reviews. So right after the pay-per-view ends, you can log on to this link that we'll provide to anybody at this tier, and you can uh, watch us live from the post office discuss that pay-per-view uh, and interact with us in the chat room. And then we're going to start doing, like John said, Google Hangouts where... Uh, for an allotted amount of time throughout the week, we will just sit there and you will have to be, you'll, you're forced, you're basically, we're going to force you to hang out with us because we don't really have many friends. So uh, we're fixing this amount of time so that we can, uh, you know, spend some time with you guys, discuss any of the news of that week that we don't talk about anywhere else. And basically just anything else that we, we want to talk about. Again, it's an experiment. And uh, we'll see how long it lasts. If nobody joins us, then, you know, so be it. Maybe we'll have some guests drop by over the next uh, while. Who knows? Uh, very likely. Very, very likely. What else do we have? Uh, we can go and talk about the ice cap level. Is there anything else you want to add on, on the double-double front? Um, I think we'll, occasionally we'll still be doing uh, quite a, some pre-produced video for that tier. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, again, it's, uh, if I'm being a, a little vague, it's cause I'm, uh, it's it, so much of it is an experiment. Like it has been over the past year. If you've been a member of this tier over the past, uh, uh, 10 months, you'll, you'll have seen us basically produce a brand new video every single week. Um, a lot of people ask like, why aren't you guys on YouTube anymore? Why aren't you doing anything? We've been doing like videos every single week. We're just been, we've just been releasing them at this tier. So uh, if you have any interest in any of that stuff, you can sign up. You can get access to all that stuff right right then. Boy, do I feel like um, what's his name? Uh, um, the, the, what's the TNA uh, QVC guy? Don West. Don West. Boy, do I feel yes. like Don West on this on this edition of the show. And then <laughs> we've got the ice cap level. <laughs> oh, bear with us and a little more. Yes, yeah, so the ice cap level, and that is uh, $25 a month. That includes all of the previous uh, content from the, from the other tiers. But in addition to that, you, this is our merchandise tier. So uh, we are introducing a bunch of uh, new items uh, coming up. I have all of our ideas listed down here. I don't want to read them yeah. out because some of them I don't know if we uh, 100% agreed on. Well, some of the ones that we have announced uh, thus far, like basically we're going to send you like a little box of like, you know, a bunch of crazy ideas that we've got. And amongst the, among them are, uh, you know, uh, over the past year, we've been um, sending out uh, personalized postcards where we write messages uh, individualized to every single person who signs up at the tier. Um, we'll be giving out a new enamel pin that we'll have to design. We're giving out post-wrestling coffee sleeves, finally. Whoa! Um, sleeves, yes, that's right. Stickers. I'm, uh, I'm going to throw in like a VIP card in there. Uh, good for probably like 20% off at all times on the, in the post-wrestling store. But maybe the most exciting part of it is that we will also be releasing in this package a tape. Not just a tape. A cassette tape. An audio cassette containing an exclusive show never to be released anywhere else. So you're going to have to find a Walkman. You're going to have to find a cassette player and pop this thing in. Um, I just, I don't even know what we're going to put on this cassette. I just want people to have to dig through, uh, I don't know where, their parents, the grandparents' places, just to find an audio cassette so that they can listen to whatever bullshit 
we and I, I want to see photos of people of how they listen to this cassette tape. I don't even know how I could listen to this. Well, you can. Didn't did you have a Walkman? You must I have. did have a Walkman. I had a big yellow one, the uh, the Sony Walkman that I got when I was eight, and that's probably buried in here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they'll make. So a that's comeback. exciting. Maybe they'll make a comeback. But uh, yeah, that's the ice cap tier, uh, and because we have to send so much stuff, we require a minimum of four months of pledging before uh, I start to do all that stuff. It'll also give me time to acquire all this stuff, um, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, finally, the espresso tier includes everything prior, um, but there's really not that much to announce there because uh, the only an- announcement was that we opened it up to 10 more slots to allow a bit more variety and to allow uh, uh, more people to support us at this level if they so wanted. And that was gone, actually. It's already sold out, like, I don't know, like two days into it. So thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, every single patron who decide, decided to uh, pledge to us, either for the beginning or right now. Um, I think now is a great time to check it out. And uh, let's do the giveaway. Yes. So, Way, do you want to choose our first winner of this of this package okay well in addition to giving out something like this is also our chance to to just thank you know one of the members from the pro wrestling cafe at complete random draw so uh pick a number john between one three uh three wow okay (laughs) oh one and what uh, what was my upper limit one and however many uh patrons we have right now which i think we're close to like we're at about like 1800 so Yes, please. 1,623. Oh, God. I don't even know how to... I'm not even... Why did you give me such a wide range of options? I'm going to randomly pick one, okay? And consider this 1,173. <laughs> I, I thought that's what I was teeing you up to do initially. I gotcha. <laughs> Let's thank Alfredo Dizon. Wow, Alfredo. Alfredo Dizon. Sounds like a delicious name. I know. I was yeah. going to say, like a very Italian-flavored winner that we've got. Alfredo Dizon from Richardson, Texas. Congratulations. You win a post-wrestling prize pack. All right. Uh, congratulations, Alfredo. Uh, we thank you. And we will be doing this every Monday on Rewind to Raw, uh, giving out a, uh, a shirt to a, a loyal patron of the post-wrestling cafe. All right. You've gone through all of our stuff. Now it's time to get into news items. Lots to discuss. Let's start off. Uh, with Triple H, he injured himself at Crown Jewel. We talked about this on the Crown Jewel post show, and he posted a photo up on Monday stating he will be going for surgery Tuesday morning and an accompanying photo. His pack, his right pack looks uh, like it's all discolored. This is a horrific looking photo. Uh, he did not state if it was a full tear, a partial tear. It looks terrible. Uh, he's going, uh, I'm sure we'll know more of the details. Did Have you, you are you, you just seeing it now? Did you intend on doing that? What did I even do? I did, I did not mean to do whatever I did. terrible. I did not mean to do a play on words. Okay, I don't mean so. to make light of this at all. No, 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 no. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll know the full extent probably tomorrow. They'll have some kind of an update on it. Uh, but I guess way I wrote about this in my update is that now that this guy is 49 years old and he is facing another major rehab, is it uh, in his best interest to be wrestling at this stage when he's got so many other duties and his primary contribution to this company is no longer wrestling in the ring? 
Hmm, is it in his best interest to continue wrestling? Well, I mean, I, I, I would assume that he would be able to continue most of his duties. Obviously not uh, the day before or after surgery, I would hope not at least. But knowing Triple H, he's probably somebody who, you know, if he's uh, conscious, he'll probably go on to continue fulfilling whatever work he's supposed to fulfill. I mean, I think the question... This is significant rehab he's going to have to go through. I mean, this is not something that you can just... Like, it's the time that he's going to have to dedicate to rehab that takes him away from Mm -hmm. his regular duties. Like, this is someone running NXT that's going over every month for the UK tapings. And uh, to me, if, if I'm one of the executives, I don't think Vince McMahon would have this mindset. But if I am, you know... Someone in the front office, it's like, this is a very valuable asset for us. And now this asset is going to be having a diminished time every day because he's got this this injury to take care of and, and rehab. Should this guy be wrestling? Like, we just have so much invested in him at the moment that this isn't his first surgery. And now he's got he's got a major set of duties with this company. I mean, it's a good point. Um but you know he he certainly is is very valuable as an executive. But I mean, if I think if you ask him, he'll tell you that he's probably very valuable as a wrestler as well. You know, uh, and, and it's you know for shows like maybe your Super Showdown and your Crown Jewels where uh, you don't necessarily have the star power, maybe, or you don't want to give away uh, you know an attraction that you might want to save for a WrestleMania or something like that. You can rely on somebody like a Hunter to headline that show. Um, I just, I, you know, I know that he's an executive, but the man is also a wrestler. And I know how wrestlers think none of them ever want to retire. None of them ever want to be told that, hey, you can't do this anymore. Um, some some of them do. Some of them decide to walk away when, you know, they feel their body can't do it. But um, I don't know. I get the sense that Hunter won't want to be told that he can't wrestle. And that Oh, I'm not doubting he would not want to be told this. But to me, it's... It's just like this guy, if you're just looking at him as a resource, as as somebody that is carrying out all of these duties, it's like we have invested a lot in you to to run these brands, to be, you know, the, the leader of this company in waiting, essentially, that we can't be taking away hours and hours of your days uh, throughout the week that are now uh, eliminated because you have a peck that you've got to rehab. Uh, mm-hmm. When he was when he tore his quad, he had the luxury he could move and uproot himself to Birmingham, Alabama, and every single day was rehab. Mm-hmm. But it's not 2001 anymore, and I, I just look at the like you accepted all of these duties. You are a major cog in this wheel that is World Wrestling Entertainment, and I would argue that if if the biggest argument against it is that we need headliners and we need matches, that to me under underscores a larger problem that they shouldn't have to be going to the well so often with this 49 year old at the moment. And I think that, you know, you're, you're very much seeing these main events, like these one-offs, like it is very much a, a WCW feel to it, that here you had these four guys that were all over television these last, this last month. And then tonight kind of felt like, well, now it's everybody else. The, the stars are gone. And now it's the mm, the leftovers. I, I think that's. I think it, it's different, though. I mean, okay, for WrestleMania, that certainly could be the case. You know, uh, when your when when your Mania shows, yeah, are, are sometimes kind of headlined by that by that you know occasional star. But like WCW, like your Nitros and whatnot, were headlined by those old guys. I feel like something like a Super Showdown or a Crown Jewel are special attraction shows that aren't necessarily completely tied into your. 
uh, you know, true A storylines that are going to culminate at WrestleMania. You know, I mean, but, but that's almost besides the point. I think, I, I, I think Connor is like Vince himself competed and you know went through torn quads and whatnot. Probably continued to do his job. And probably didn't want to take himself off of TV until he felt cosmetically he wasn't able to fulfill the role. Um, I just kind of see Hunter, you know, doing very much the same. Did you happen to see that clip that they isolated of Shawn Michaels in the corner after the match mm-hmm. on on Friday? And he just, uh, you can you can see him talk to Hunter saying, we're too old for this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you see the clip uh, from on dot com afterwards? Like the little with interview? Sean? Yeah. Yes. What you do be- you have a what? Is, what is your uh, premonition regarding Sean's future? So if Sean, it, if he- Sean, in the clip for people who who didn't hear, he basically to the WWE camera said, uh, "You know, it was fun coming back, but I don't think I'll you know I don't think I'll be coming back." Basically, the gist of I, th- I think what he said. Um, I think for the right money, he might. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be. I th- I don't think WrestleMania is going to generate him a payoff that this Crown Jewel event did. Absolutely not. No. And I really get the sense that he went through with this, and at the at the bottom of it, I don't think he was overwhelmed with this with this performance. I'm sure it was a wonderful payoff and one that, uh, as a guy with a family, he just could not say no to that amount of money. But I am I am less optimistic of him doing another match. Now, come WrestleMania time, maybe he's going to get that itch. Maybe they're going to present him with a great program. And I don't see him looking at... He, he no longer has, well, I kept my word for nine years. Now he can say, hey, I did one. Now I've got something I can sink my teeth into. It's not going to be like Crown Jewel. This is different. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, don't, I don't disregard it as a possibility, but I am less optimistic about it than I was prior to Friday. And I don't know if I think Sean is someone that does care about having that, that performance that is at least enough to replicate uh, his heyday and not be so diminished. Yeah. What I would like to see, I mean, knowing obviously his role right now at the performance center is to see some involvement with him uh, with somebody coming up from NXT. I don't think he'll be, Wrestling a match in NXT. No, I don't think Shawn Michaels will be uh, headlining a takeover or anything like that. But um, if he were to come back, I would like to see him do it for a guy who he had has probably spent some time working with together at the Performance Center. But Or at the very least, maybe just a story in NXT. But even then, I see them being a bit more protective about Shawn Michaels' appearances. New Japan held a press conference. It was the night of press conferences in Japan. Uh, New Japan announced their top matches for Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th at the Tokyo Dome. We had the previously announced Kenny Omega-Hiroshi Tanahashi match for the IWGP heavyweight title. Chris Jericho versus Tetsuya Naito for the Intercontinental title, even though Jericho is stating he's not giving Naito the rematch, even if New Japan officially announces it. Kazuchika Okada versus Jay White. Kushida versus Taiji Ishimori for the junior heavyweight title. And... A dream match. El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru versus Rapongi 3K versus Shingo Takagi and Bushi for the junior heavyweight tag titles. Did you say a dream match? Uh, no, it's uh, not a dream match because I saw this two days ago. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. This is the strangest announcement because Rapongi 3K won the tournament to get the title match and the losers are also being granted 
a title match. Mm-hmm. Well, um, maybe uh, they they felt like they were really close. They did really well. Um, it sounds to me like maybe just an excuse to kind of cram everybody into that uh, in that division into that match. Um, sorry, that's it. So maybe maybe next year at the Royal Rumble they'll just have the final two guys will get uh, the title match mm-hmm. at WrestleMania. But beyond uh, that, though, I mean it's a good looking card. Yeah, I think all the other matches were, especially coming out of Power Struggle, you you saw the direction, especially the top three. I mean, that's been evident for quite a while, the direction mm-hmm. they're going. You still have uh, uh, Kota Bushi's match. Uh, you have Will Ospreay, Minoru Suzuki, Cody. Cody and the Young Bucks uh, have not been announced yet for the show, so I think that's interesting where they end up. Yeah, I mean, hmm. Uh, obviously a lot of it depends on where they go. Uh, if they don't sign, do you see them having a role on, on, on the event? I think they're all going to have, uh, matches on the dome show. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Now let's get to the news about Floyd Mayweather. This came out of nowhere. Ryzen held a press conference and way it happened. It, It was eventually going to happen. A press conference where Nobuhiko Takata introduces Floyd Mayweather Jr. And there is Floyd in Tokyo and he is going to be fighting on New Year's Eve against Tenshin Nasukawa, a undefeated kickboxer who has also done four MMA bouts. This guy's a 27-0 record with uh, 21 stoppages and is only uh, 20 years old. They are going to fight on New Year's Eve. The rules of this fight have not been established yet. The weight they are going to fight at has not been established I don't know how this make this doesn't make any sense. Um, how could this be anything but a boxing match? If you're it Floyd? can't, no. there's no way Floyd Mayweather is agreeing to a fight that involves kicks. There's just no way. Yeah. So what I imagine this is going to be is a exhibition fight that will probably be a couple of rounds, and what they're paying for is for a gigantic spotlight on Ryzen, and I would say specifically. On Nasukawa, who they probably have tabbed to be their Japanese superstar that is going to gain a ton of pub- publicity from this. And just to just to receive all this notoriety, Ryzen hopes that they will have a Japanese, uh, a national star on their hands after this. It's crazy. I think, uh, you know, one of the big questions coming out of it, of course, is where Ryzen is getting this money to pay Floyd. Uh, because... He is the highest paid person in combat sports. Um, how? How is this happening? <laughs> no um, one knows. There, there's. I don't see how they could make that money back. Um, Especially not on fight TV. Like, there's just so much to this that you just scratch your head at. That the idea of this airing in the middle of the night, Floyd Mayweather fighting at five in the morning. It's just. Um, perplexing that huh. if if he was going to do this uh that this is the route he would go like obviously there is an enormous backer or backers that are behind this uh you know i have no idea but if it's somehow dazone is involved in this it's like okay then that's that's understandable where they're somehow this bottomless pit of money that uh, that was, still wouldn't be understandable but yeah it, it'd be oh wait, i'm not plausible. saying it makes sense but yeah. it's at least okay there's uh an outlet that is just pouring money 
into boxing and to combat sports. Um, do you feel this is going to happen? Is this going to happen on New Year's Eve? Because, uh, I mean, Ryzen has zero leverage in all of this. Whatever Mayweather wants, Mayweather gets here. And now they've publicly announced it. So when I first heard about the news, I mean, I, I thought it was just a joke. Uh, and uh, when I saw that it was an actual announcement, I still think it's a joke. I, I don't think this is going to happen. That's me saying thinking right now. But at the same time, I don't know what Floyd's play is. You know, why would he go ahead with this if he didn't receive a real money offer? Uh, like, what is he trying to leverage here if if that is his game? So it's very and, and as much as like we all expect this to be a boxing fight. But that said, like tension Nasakawa is not some joke either. Like mm. this guy is a very skilled kickboxer that if you were going to do this. I mean, I don't know if this would be the guy you would do it with. I mean, for Ryzen, they look at him as a potential breakout star, which if they come out of this where this guy just shows anything against Mayweather and is uh, just adopted by the Japanese crowd as their new combat sports hero, I mean, it could have Ryzen. They could have a superstar, potentially. Um, yeah. But anyway, he like this is a real fighter too, but someone that fights at 128 pounds against Floyd who I mean this guy is going to be having to move up significantly to to fight Mayweather at a weight class that makes sense for him. Sorry, what's the weight difference uh, or uh, approximate? Like Well, Floyd uh, his last uh, boxing fight he was fighting at, at 140. He weighed in at 146. Mm-hmm. Uh the the Conor fight he was just under 150. So it's like 20-pound weight difference that wow. they fight at. Well, interesting. Um, you know what? If this fight goes through, I'll, I, I mean, I, I'll definitely be maybe watching. Like, the, the, the Ryzen cards are always, like, even if I don't know who all the participants are, I mean, I always find them entertaining. I always find myself, like, up for them. So um, I'll definitely be paying attention. If, if the point here was to just simply garner uh, a bit of press for Ryzen, I guess they've been somewhat successful. Dude, Ryzen... And Tenjin Nasakawa are mm-hmm. being featured on ESPN. They're, the Associated Press was ri- writing about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, and this just came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was uh, stunning. But anyway, this is going to be the biggest New Year's Eve fight uh, in Japan since Bob Sapp and Akibono. Wow. In 2003. Mm. So yeah, it true. feels like New Year's Eve is going to be a really big deal in Japan uh, should this go through. And. Uh, the final thing I just want to mention or ask you, Wade, did you get to see Daniel Cormier and Derek Lewis on Saturday? I did. Yes, I did. Um, pretty big blowout. And to me, um, I don't know. It didn't look like Derek Lewis even thought he had a chance. I mean, you knew he was going in with no wrestling skill, but it was it was more one-sided than I thought it would be. Right. Like, Lewis had zero defense. Mm-hmm. None. Uh, so, Daniel Cormier, I mean, he I mean, he took a risk taking this fight, but Certainly. it more than paid off. A, hu- a humongous payday. Beats Derek Lewis, uninjured. Did you hear the story about what happened to him during the day? I didn't. What? So, Daniel Cormier stated that usually in his camps, which are about eight weeks, around the three-week mark, he, he has a bad back, and his back will just mess up on him, but he's got five weeks left in his camp, so he can he works through it, and he's okay come fight time. 
So this camp, which was uh, very much shortened, his back had been fine throughout this, this whole camp. Saturday morning, he is getting ready to go out for a run and he goes to the bathroom and he sneezed and his back just, I guess it locked up and he tried to get on a treadmill. He couldn't even run. The UFC doctor had to come check on him. His team is getting like heating pads for him and he's not able to take any kind of shot because in New York, you're not allowed to take any kind of a, uh, I guess an injection or anything like that. Uh, so I think all his options were, were Tylenol and he ended up, he took a nap and then later in the afternoon, he ended up being okay and could go ahead with the fight. But he was very worried that he was going to have to tell the UFC, I've got to pull out of this fight tonight because of a sneeze. Well, that's incredible. Um, I don't know what exactly, exactly it says about uh, maybe the state of MMA when the 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 most your your champion of your heavyweight division and your light heavyweight division um is could have been sidelined because of a sneeze um i i mean hearing that it makes me believe maybe his intentions of retiring quite shortly are probably a lot more uh plausible than than uh you know doubters might say well maybe that is where the term nothing to sneeze at comes from Ooh. so yes there you go. What do you think is uh, Daniel Cormier is eyeing March 2nd for his final fight with Brock Lesnar? Do you think that is the, the direction to go? Uh, so much of it, I think, depends on what how, what we see, uh, you know, Brock's involvement with pro wrestling uh, is going to be in, in the months that, that you know, lie ahead. Um, March? You- hmm. Feels a little... Because um, Cormier wants to be done yeah. March 20th. That's his 40th birthday. He wants to fight Brock. Three weeks before, and then he's done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, between him and uh, Lesnar and Jones, uh, they're, they're both fights that I think are, are huge money fights, and uh, I would personally go out of my way to watch both of them. Um, I'd actually rather see a conclusion to the Jones uh, trilogy myself. Um, you know, but Brock obviously will, will make a bit more money for him, is is my, my guess. What do I think? I think, I think it, it'll be Jones. And how do you, if Brock accepts this fight, let's just say theoretically, it's Cormier and Lesnar on March 2nd. How do you handle Brock Lesnar as universal champion? Do you keep the title on him uh, throughout that stretch where he's going to fight Daniel Cormier uh, and plan to have him wrestle a month later at WrestleMania? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Sorry, you mean like wrestle Daniel Cormier at WrestleMania? No, 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 no. He'd fight Daniel Cormier, but oh. you don't take the title off of Lesnar before that fight. I mean, I just, I just feel like Vince must be so protective of that belt that he wouldn't be willing to to risk it in a real life fight that Brock Lesnar could very well lose. He'll probably lose, actually. So I, I personally don't see that happening myself. I look at it from the other side of how much attention that fight will have. Uh, ESPN is going to be covering UFC to a huge degree at that uh, at that point and then you get Lesnar at WrestleMania. I don't know how much people are going to necessarily look at it that okay, the WWE champion lost in a in an MMA fight. I don't know how much weight that carries today. That I, I think the, well, the trade-off is that Brock is going to be featured so heavily. Um Brock will be featured heavily anyways and then you still get him for Mania. So but why but why involve the title in there at all? I think if you're taking the title off of Brock, I I don't know 
He's if you do Brock have him Lesnar? at WrestleMania. Oh, okay. So you're saying he, they might not be able to get him at WrestleMania if they take the belt off of him? I'm just saying, look, what's your, what's your program at that point? He's challenging for the title. He's just in a throwaway match. Triple H. Do it. Maybe. Maybe that could be it. Um, so there you go. Those are your news items. Uh, there was a lot going on. You can catch up at postwrestling.com. Tonight's Raw, a taped edition of the show from Manchester, England, part of the European tour. Uh, did you go into this way? Did you read ahead? I did not. No, did you? Uh, a bit I did. Yeah. Not everything. You, yeah, so. yeah. You wrote the story. So the roster is on the ramp at the start, and security is blocking the ring. Baron Corbin comes out, and they throw to a video recap of Lesnar defeating Braun Strowman at Crown Jewel. Fans boo this. How did you know where this took place? I was just it told w- last Friday. <laughs> was See, Crown Jewel never even stated on this show? I didn't notice it. I mean, there were a couple of recaps on this show, and from both of them, when I saw it, it was just Cole saying... Last Friday. So I think they're slowly, slowly, slowly shedding the layers off of this event. First, it started from Saudi Arabia. Wow. And then, the, the, mysteriously, we, we forgot where it took place. Now I don't doubt you because I don't recall hearing Crown Jewel. And if it did, it was just in passing. But think about the buildup to this show. And tonight, the word Crown Jewel didn't exist. Hulk Hogan never happened on Friday. That's right. And yeah. they didn't even touch on Sean or anything. Uh, I mean... They they showed Sean like they he was in the recap did they, of the did, match. Like did they re- recap it? Yeah, in the recap of they did recap that one, and and it you know they kind of framed it as Shawn Michaels' return. Uh, so, so they did mention okay, Shawn. Then I missed that. Then. But I mean, okay. it tells you what they're ashamed of. They're ashamed of having gone to Saudi. Or, or okay, maybe not ashamed, but at least aware of what might get them criticized. And that's obviously mentioning mentioning Saudi Arabia. Clearly, they don't want even want to draw any attention to the show itself. Not only did they not mention Crown Jewel here, they're really, like, uh, I wasn't watching the feed uh, consistently, but I'm told replays of the show are, are pretty slim to none, um, and no mention of Hulk Hogan whatsoever. So those all feel like things that they're either, you know, either ashamed of or things that they, they know are on a checklist of uh, things that they will be targeted for. So no mention of any of those things today. The Hogan, the lack of Hogan on this show uh, in terms of mentions was very notable to me. Mm -hmm. So Corbin says it's normal for the general manager to have all this security out here. And the idea was he's got all this security out here, which is to protect them from Braun. But he's denying that that's the reason. He talks about Survivor Series being the one time of the year that Raw and SmackDown talent go head to head, except for last Friday in the World Cup. And he mentions the matches. We're going to have Lesnar against Styles, Rousey against Becky Lynch, and a men's and women's five-on-five match. The announcement of these traditional Survivor Series matches, not a person reacted to this in the arena. He states that Shane stole the title of best in the world from Raw, and that person, that the the real best in the world is Ziggler. And that situation will be addressed by Stephanie McMahon next week. Stephanie versus Shane to determine who is the best in the world. Um, yeah, the mixed McMahon challenge. Yeah, how would that go down? Hmm. Yeah, that, that's great. <laughs> mixed McMahon challenge, really good. Uh, you know, I'm a little disappointed that like, um, I think one of the biggest problems with with Survivor Series and bragging rights and anytime they've tried to do brand versus brand whatever in the past has been the lack of stakes attached to these matches. 
And I think, you know, you talk about the lack of reaction that these Survivor Series matches get. I mean, how do you expect people to react when there's really nothing at stake? You know, they they literally put more stakes into the World Cup where at least if a SmackDown person lost, he would move brands Mm -hmm. like that to me is an easy one that the whoever, uh, you know, if you lose, if if the raw men's team loses, then SmackDown gets to pick one of those five or something like that. I mean, just anything that you can attach it to or the five winners all get title shots over the next uh, however many months or, you know, like. Uh, the the winning brand gets an extra pick for the Rumble, or like you know, the winning brand gets the main event WrestleMania. Just just something, right? Something of value, um, to to make me feel like this chapter is worth sitting through. This chapter of the book is worth reading. Otherwise, I can probably skip this and just skip to the end and get the same result. Um, anyway, I, it's it's just upsetting that like they've had many years of this. Something that I've considered a problem like for a decade now of them doing the stuff like this. And yet it's still another year of just a match for the sake of having a match that we're all supposed to care for, for whatever reason. So Baron has chosen himself as the men's captain, but he is not going to compete. He's just going to assemble the team. And he announces that the first two members of the team are Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. Drew got a big pop when he was announced. And he has also chosen Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman, yeah, and this was interesting, of course, because last we saw Baron with Braun, of course, uh, Baron cost Braun the title by attacking him in the back. Which he called a teaching moment Mm -hmm. on Friday. Mm -hmm. Then he moves to the women's match, and the women's captain will be Alexa Bliss, who comes out, and she mentions that she is going to follow in Baron's lead and won't be competing either. She will be taking on a more managerial role, so... Uh, that's translation for she has not been cleared yet. Wow. Like, I didn't realize uh, we're still talking the concussion uh, repercussions, right? Like the concussion uh, effects. Is that why she's out? Or is it yes. off the arm? No, she had been cleared from that. Okay. And then she came back. And then the house show in Hartford is where it's believed she suffered a concussion. Okay. Well, I mean, I like to see them be safe than, than you know, sorry. And Alexa is the type that obviously, you know, is, is so strong on the mic that. Um, she can probably still be a big presence on the show without having to compete. Um, I also think she's probably the best choice if you're going to pick anybody on that current roster for this role, somebody who has to do all the talking and kind of essentially play a bit of a heel captain. In fact, like I think I'd prefer Alexa as the GM of the show. I was, you just stole my point. That's what I thought during this segment is that if this girl is sidelined for a while, she's way better, way better. In yeah. this role than Baron Corbin. Yes. I thought she was very good during this segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the best part of this segment. She gets uh, interrupted. First, she said that uh, that she's going to be watching all the matches carefully. And her team is not going to lose to the B-Show at Survivor Series. Kurt Angle interrupts her. And he got a big reaction. He said he led Raw to victory last year. And he wants to compete again. Baron says he's going to have to prove it. So Angle challenges Corbin tonight. And if he wins, he gets onto the team and becomes the captain. But Baron, he then calls an embarrassment to goad him into accepting this challenge. So Baron does. And he says the only way Angle is going to go to Survivor Series is with a ticket. And Angle responds, well, you'll be going to Survivor Series on crutches from a broken ankle. Alexa goes to continue. Now Braun storms out and he murders the security wall, including just booting this guy in the chest. And he flew. 
They all go down, and he chases after Baron, fought the heels on the ramp. We got a big brawl involving all the talent, and that started off a series of, uh, of like roadrunner sketches for throughout the rest of the night, where Braun was just chasing after uh, Baron Corbin. Yes, basically, yeah, it was like a, a long Three Stooges sketch. The- not a not a not too tough a night for Braun Strowman. In terms of uh, yeah, he didn't have to wrestle. He had to do no. a lot of running though. I guess so. He he yeah. he ran as fast as he could, which is not that fast, but he yeah. had to exert a lot of energy. You know, I will say like you know, uh, Corbin. I'm not a fan of at all, but like I do think it's impressive that he can remember all those lines like like this, and he didn't. Screw he had a lot out here. You should yeah. give him credit for that. Yes, and that's a that's a big part of this role is remembering stuff. Uh, in terms of like storyline implication, this opening segment was about it. I thought with only two episodes until Survivor Series that we were going to get the whole card put together on this show. And I've got to say most of the rest of this show, not every segment, but man, was there a lot of stuff on this show that just felt like turning their wheels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as Survivor Series go, they teased the big announcement from Stephanie next week. So we'll see uh, what the result is of that. Mm. Like yeah. everything is getting set up next week. The teams, mm. Brock's on the show next week. Stephanie's on the show next week. And this week, like, I thought this was one of the more dull episodes of Raw yeah. in recent memory. But I mean, if you're going to pick the two, obviously it's it's the go-home show, right? Is next week the go-home show? Next week's the go-home show. Yeah. I would want the card somewhat set up. And I just felt, you know, they're... I just thought we'd get a lot more tonight, whether it was qualifying matches or just advancement towards getting this card ready that you only have two shows to do it in. Total Divas this week, they're going to Tahoe to bond way, and it looks like Paige and Lana did not bond on this trip. Oh, it looks like it got, they got into a bit of a fight, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate. But I thought this past week was really good for Divas, the last episode. Featured a whole lot of Rusev, and uh, I'll be talking about that on the double shot. He's trying to work an angle with Hogan. He is? Yeah. Oh. Go on Twitter. He's uh, he's challenged Hogan to WrestleMania. I mean, good luck with that. Unless you want a job to Hulk Hogan. I mean, I'm sure there's a spot for him there. Charlie was with Bailey, Sasha, and Natalia. Uh, Charlie asked the three, do you think that the outcome against the Riot Squad will be different than at Evolution when you beat them? Yes, Charlie. We think that we're going to lose tonight. Uh, so if you don't mind, we have to prepare to be worse than we were eight days ago. Natalia dedicates tonight's match to her dad, and she has brought his sunglasses. And I would imagine every single person watching this segment knew that those sunglasses were not here for the long term. She put on these sunglasses, and this was her tribute to her father. She came out. Uh, with the sunglasses on, everyone makes their entrance, and we get a rematch from Evolution, a six-woman tag. Uh, Banks ran off the apron with the double knees to Logan, then a Meteora to Morgan before going for the bank statement that Riot broke up. And then Bailey dove onto Logan and Morgan on the floor and then got hit with an STO by Ruby. They attacked Bailey in their corner, and then they went on forever, beating down Bailey. They went through two commercial breaks Finally, Natalia gets the tag. She hits a German to Logan, applies the sharpshooter, but then she looks at the ground, and there is Ruby Riot with Jim Neidhart's sunglasses. 
and she releases the hold, but it's too late. Ruby destroys the sunglasses and stomps them down. Natalia is bawling her eyes out, crying. The riot squad just leaves. Sasha and Bailey come to console Natalia, who's just crying and crying. And this segment ends. You missed the best part of the segment, John. <laughs> the crowd starts counting them out. Oh, yeah. So they're on the floor. And as Natalia is heartbroken, they're counting because there was no finish to the match. So they're counting them out. Which shows I, you how much this audience cared about the angle that they were doing. Like, supposedly, when Natalia, you're watching your, your baby face go through this really terrible, terrible act, all the crowd could think about was, where's the finish to the match? And I don't blame them at all, because I thought this was... Um, I thought the angle was just really corny. I mean, it got heat, perhaps, but not enough for the crowd to care about enough to ignore the the reality of the match here, and that... They should have at least had Natty get pinned or something. Like, don't don't just assume that we we don't care about the wrestling uh, because you have this grand story to tell. And it's not. I found. I, I, in the end, I, I just I kind of I kind of found it a bit cheap. I didn't think Natty's performance was all that great in terms of acting about this this thing. I just kind of found it a, a bit lazy to like use Jim Neidhart's passing for this. So, you know, and she had a big gob of uh, like snot running down her chin and then they closed up on it to end the segment. So not much of a fan. Well, and it also like this, this is not obviously a one-off segment. This is something that that's the part that I don't like that. This is going to be an ongoing storyline and man, we just had the Roman stuff last week and now we're going to use another person's passing as a story. It's not even recent. Like, he passed in August. Obviously, yeah, it's it's still very sensitive. But like now, I mean, it would be worse if they did it like right then. But I, I feel like, you know, to do it on the anniversary, I think might make sense to do it for no reason in Manchester, just to bring it up out of nowhere, like did not feel like it was a genuine enough angle that this crowd bought for a second. At first, I thought maybe they didn't play the promo for the crowd and they were so confused at what these sunglasses were, but I did hear they, the promo aired in the, in the arena. It was just, and it was just such a lengthy match as well that I think that when you're going to do a finish like this, you shouldn't be going through two segments to get to it. And you should at least give the crowd a finish. They had nothing to lose here by having Natalia get pinned or having Bailey get pinned or having Sasha get pinned or something, you know, even having Ruby riot submit doesn't matter. Cause if you're going to do the angle at the end, don't tell, don't waste 20 minutes of my time only to do something like this. You know, um, I thought the match was like fine, like, but the quality, I, it feels like it, I think it was indicative of like how much of a crowd response affects the quality of a match. Because like during the evolution, this crowd was like really into it. I think that match was obviously better than this one, but this crowd did not seem that hot for it. Braun is searching in a bathroom for Baron Corbin and he just opens up a stall. There was a guy inside. Ha ha ha. Jinder Mahal versus Apollo Crews. Crews cut a uh, promo while he was... Okay, this was the weirdest thing. He's doing curls, okay? He lets go of the, like, uh, of, like, the, uh, the band that he's doing curls with to step forward to the camera to extend his arm <laughs> and hold it like a selfie. 
Oh it's a stationary God. camera That's as he's hilarious. doing curls, and then he lets go to hold it. Oh, my God. That is the funniest thing. Yeah, like, they've been doing this thing <laughs> where they've had, they're having people pretend that they're shooting selfies, even though it's clearly somebody holding a camera uh, on the other end. But they're in, instructing their, their talent to extend their arm up as if to pretend that they're using a cell phone. I don't know why they're doing this. Uh, and I can't believe that they expose themselves like this here in this segment. It's <laughs> the those, most ridiculous thing. He's dude, got one I of those like he's got one of those floating iPhones. <laughs> oh, he called himself oh the human God. highlight reel. There's just way too much overthinking going on here. Okay, we got to have Apollo. He's in shape. What do we, how do we show that? Maybe we'll have him uh, pump up before. All right, great. And then he's got to be hip and edgy, too. Uh, they don't like kids. Like, they like selfies. So he's got to do that as well. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Way too much. Graves notes that Jinder has acknowledged that he has not been the same since he lost the title. On this tour last year. Oh, was it? Wow. It yeah. was the European tour last year that he dropped it to AJ. Uh, Cruz won with a standing moonsault after a press slam. Two minutes and 22 seconds. I forget if he won last week or if he lost last week. At this point, it almost like doesn't really matter. Matter. I could be somewhat excited if this seemed like it was an indication that he was, you know, Apollo Cruz was finally getting a push. Um, but, you know... I, I have to see the follow-up before I, I make any judgment. Let's see here. Apollo Cruz, Did he win last week? I don't think he... Oh, he lost last week to Ziggler. Okay. Yeah, like you're showing me a guy like basically lose like three weeks in a row to the likes of Elias and Dolph Ziggler. And all of a sudden, you want to try to restart him um, with Jinder Mahal? Great. It'll take a, probably more than one week, though. The promo for SmackDown was built around... The newly crowned best in the world will be live on SmackDown. Shane will be on SmackDown. Plus, Becky Lynch. They didn't explain whatever context that they will be on SmackDown. Just that they will be there. Well, he's a hot commodity now. Yep. Seth Rollins came out with the IC title and both tag titles. Which he called a necklace that he was wearing. He called Baron a scumbag for helping Brock Lesnar regain the Universal title after everything Roman Reigns fought for and is fighting now. It's a slap in the face. Yes, these continual references to Roman Reigns may be construed as a slap in the face. Uh, but I guess after last week, uh, this, this was hardly anything to uh, get too upset about. I Leukemia know- was not stated once on this show well i definitely noticed that too uh instead of mentioning leukemia they said like cole said due to illness roman reigns had to step away so i think that shows again like a bit of sensitivity or at least a bit of awareness that last week they might have done a bit much do you think maybe on on the the plane ride from saudi arabia vince mcmahon just looked at them and said you know what this is a really fucking bad week we were pretty gross. Pretty gross, guys. I, I do wonder. I do wonder, like, internally if there was any of that discussion. Because, I mean, you know, you see the type of coverage that they received. They were battered by, by mainstream press, um, including, you know, the likes of, like, uh, John Oliver, who, uh, you know, like we talked about on Crown Jewel, were probably watching that show with the microscope, looking for things that they could exploit. 
And uh, I think yeah, a lot of like outlets that covered the show, the Washington Post had a reporter there. Did you hear that story? I didn't actually. So the Washington Post had a reporter there at the event where, as they described it, these uh, Saudi journalists were like fawning over the wrestlers, taking photos with them. And one of the and the reporter there who, interestingly enough, his name is Kevin Sullivan, uh, asked Dolph Ziggler about the uh, Jamal Khashoggi uh, murder. And Ziggler's response was WWE has put out a statement about that. It's such a tough spot, I think, if you're talent to have to like answer questions like that. And again, like, I mean, I think it's one thing if you're Dolph Ziggler saying that, or even if you're Randy Orton saying that. It's another, I guess, if you're JBL and you're like, you know, kind of coming up with like, uh, whatever. But like Ziggler, to me, like hearing that response felt like, mm, like he not, also not- went on to explain like that they're here for the fans and that that clearly was the statement that these performers were given is that turn all of the focus onto the fans and that because that was what all of them came out stating and you know these guys are put in a pretty tough spot like you're not only going to the show but you're going to do media and mm-hmm. yeah you are going to be asked about this but it's it's kind of just the the overall like fear these guys have of just stating anything that is also it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable yeah i mean the the people that are paying your paycheck and you know are responsible for giving you the livelihood that you lead uh uh, i don't know it's it's tough to kind of defend somebody else's morality especially in this case uh back to rollins uh he's cutting this promo he says that ambrose doesn't have the bollocks to come out so uh so edgy he notes that it's hard to defend two titles at once, but then Corbin appears on the screen and says, well, why not you defend those tag titles by yourself against this team? And the AOP came out, and Rollins just shrugged his shoulders and said, sure. So at a handicap match, they just beat down Rollins. He escaped the last chapter and fought back. He hit suicide dives to both, and then Drake Maverick distracted the referee, allowing AOP to get the advantage back. He came back with super kicks to both, hit a frog splash to Razor for a two count, but then the stomp is caught. They hit a power bomb and then a power bomb neck breaker combination, and Akam pins Seth Rollins. AOP are the new tag champions. First of all, I mean, I actually really enjoyed this handicap match. Like, I think so. Rollins worked really well with these two. Yeah, like, he was great. Like, it, it almost felt like a kung fu movie scene where, like, you know, your lead action star is, like, taking on multiple, like, you know, putty patrol guys at once. And Rollins is, like, perfect for that. He should have got Israel Adesanya as his partner. What do you mean? Sorry, yeah, Did not you not see his... Oh, you didn't see his fight on Saturday. No, I didn't. You should, have, you should watch the final uh, minute of his fight with Derek Brunson. And it's exactly what you just described. Oh, okay. It's awesome. like an incredible action scene. Yeah. So... AOP here wins the belts. Uh, you know, really no chase or storyline given to AOP at all. But personally, I don't mind it that much because, like, who are they going to, like, AOP already at the top of the division. They're already, already the most dominant team in, in the division by a long shot. This just makes it official. And I think you get out of the Rollins-Ambrose thing while protecting Rollins. Um, so and, with, and without really beating Drew McIntyre. I, I mean, 
if they want to get the titles to AOP from Ziggler and McIntyre, mm-hmm. I mean, it, right. it makes sense to have Ambrose and Rollins beat them, but not AOP. Yes. So, right. I mean, this moves the tag titles forward. It's obviously going to be AOP against Cesaro and Sheamus. And I guess you get the comedy of Big Show in one corner and Drake Maverick in the other. That is pretty funny. Huh. Because one big, <laughs> one small. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Mm. They're going to do some comedy together. Um, and I don't know how you book that match. I think AOP yeah. should beat them. Well, yeah, it's a double heel thing. So, uh, so you know, yeah. I do wonder. Maybe Drake Maverick will turn them baby face because he is a baby face. Oh, is, is he? he? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I he distracted the referee here. He's no, a no, real no, no, dick no. in this no, match. No, in 205, is he still a baby face? Oh, God, stop. I can't. I don't know. Dean Ambrose showed up ringside. He kneels next to a fallen Rollins. <laughs> fallen Rollins. And he gets on the mic and says, you want to know why I did what I did? And then he just hits him with the dirty deeds and he walks out. And then, in the most awkward moment, Michael Cole says, I've got to ask you, Renee, can you shed some light on what is going on with Dean? She said, there is no reasoning with him right now. I have nothing new to provide. So Cole says, all right, Survivor Series is coming up on November 18th. (laughs) It was so... Weird and so awkward. Like, can you imagine how awkward these dinners must be between Renee and Dean? What do you want to watch? Nothing. There's no reasoning with me. Oh, my goodness. I understand. You know, I, I do somewhat give them credit because I think it would have been incredibly weird to, like, cut to Renee here and not have her mention something. Um, I just don't know if this was, like, the right way to go about it, you know? How, yeah, it's how, so, it's so difficult. Yeah. I think if they didn't acknowledge it, we would have a complaint to make. And the way they did it here, it just felt like Michael Cole. Hey, Renee, you're his wife. Uh, what's going on? I mean, you kind of have to address it. So I, I guess you have to do this kind of stuff every now and then. I almost like the idea that you eventually catch on that whenever Dean shows up in these segments, Renee is just quiet and she just doesn't acknowledge any of it. And then you can... At a point when everyone finds it more noticeable, then you can have her actually address it in some kind of serious manner. I mean, it's kind of just illogical that here's this husband and wife, and this wife has no idea what's going on with her husband. Very illogical. But, like, I'm trying to think of how this would, um, you know, what would happen in real life if this were to take place. And I feel like it would be more plausible that the wife of the man who chose to make a decision like this would stand by her husband. And, you know, they're teasing the thing right now where uh, Dean's not revealing the true reason why he did it. Well, how about you You pretend that she, he's already told Renee, and Renee totally understands. So week after week, you get Cole asking Renee, and Renee is not a heel. She just says, he has his reasons, and I'm, I stand by him for it. And then Dean reveals it. Obviously, it's got to be a pretty good reason. But if it's a good enough reason, you can, you know, still maintain Renee as a babyface, but just... Having Dean with like this flawed but believable logic, I'm giving him way too much credit. I don't, I'm giving. I don't think this will ever happen. But I think in real life, if you had the commentator or somebody who was just a crazy, you know, despicable heel on TV, I feel like you would see that dynamic, you know, be a bit more possible than ah, uh, he hasn't been talking to me about it. Yeah, it just seems that they view them as two totally different characters, but they understand this connection and it's just doing enough to pacify an audience that is aware of it and not thinking necessarily of this relationship logically that I think you could 
do. Like I think too often they yeah. they as much as they love to say their characters are shades of gray, that's usually a cover for we can just book anyone however we feel like it on a weekly basis and it doesn't have to totally make sense. When an actual shades of gray character is exactly what you described with Renee, where yes, this is a very likable woman that everyone is a fan of, but of course she's loyal to her husband. She's her husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a simple solution would be to just like swap her with Byron on SmackDown, but um, I'm guessing they, they want, they want her on raw. Right. And also they probably want to travel together. Big theme song for survivor series way. Let me live. Let me die. By Des rocks. All right. Des doesn't rock. Charlie is with Corbin. There was a lot of Charlie Caruso on this show as well. He's running away from Braun, but states, I'm not afraid. I'll wrestle him, but I'm not going to let him destroy me. And he's, he's set up a makeshift studio in this area of the arena. And Charlie inadvertently gives away his location. So Strowman bursts in. I, I thought this was the funniest scene. Because he fights off security, and one dude just clings onto his leg like Dixie Carter to Hulk Hogan, and Braun just fights him off. I thought this was the most amusing segment of the of the Braun series. Mm-hmm. Dolph comes out. He says Shane is not the best in the world. Shocking. He calls it a conspiracy because Drew McIntyre was ejected from ringside. Then he got jumped from behind by The Miz. And who was in the ring with them? a SmackDown referee who allowed all of this to happen. And then Shane bullies himself to get into the tournament and was allowed in. I mean, that was an actual, like this guy's got a grievance. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that works. Yeah. Elias appears on the stage. The fans start singing for Elias with the seven nation army chant. He starts, he started to play it on his, he starts to play it like, that and the crowd just goes nuts. Yeah. He was very popular. Here. Right. Like British people love that song, and they don't love it as the song. They love it as as the chant. Like during WrestleMania weekend, it got a little ridiculous. The Seven Nation Army, like to the point where John and I were sitting there for like the uh, what was it? The Wrestle? Um, what was this? The Super Show? Um, the WrestleCon the, Super Show? We were at the WWN one. Oh, sorry, yeah. the WWN Super Show. And people were trying to fit this chant, this Seven Nation Army, to the most unfittable names. Okay, <laughs> Daisaki Sakimoto. <laughs> like, stop! Come on, you're trying. Oh yeah, hard. I remember that. It was just like square peg, round hole. Yeah. Uh, does Champagne Supernova work as a wrestling chant? Can they adopt that? I'd love to see people try. Yeah. Elias just got off the phone with Noel and Liam Gallagher. And they told him that if Elias goes out and plays this song tonight, Oasis will reunite. (laughs) And Elias starts playing, and they go to a commercial break. Speaking of reunions, did you hear about the biggest one coming up this June? I have not. The Spice Girls, minus Victoria, are getting back together for several shows in the UK in, uh, I believe, May and June. They're doing, like, uh, maybe seven or eight shows. Is it a reunion when they basically get back together, like, every three years? Like when they No, run, run they haven't played... I don't think they've played since the uh, the London Olympics. They played the uh, closing ceremonies. That would have been 2012 in London. Come on. So, so that's what? six years. Didn't you go see them, like, that year? Two, 
2008, I went to see them in Toronto. That long ago? Yeah, it was a decade ago, dude. Jesus. They're ready for another reunion. What this is how bands hell? work. Well, okay, so they reunited in 2008, and then 2012, and then 2018. Okay. I mean, I still don't really consider that a reunion. I just consider that a semi-active group. My other One other story. I want to avoid this Dolph Ziggler and Elias match at all costs. Did you hear about the Ottawa Senators story? No, please. Okay. How, I like do, you, how, how do you have time for all this? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I was I was busy during... Uh, I was up to live during Raw, so I was furiously looking for other stuff to watch during the breaks. So, the Ottawa Senators are just a dumpster fire of a, of a team. Just uh, inept management, an owner who's out of his mind. So... These Ottawa Senators players are in a Uber, and they start just tearing apart their team, and they're dissing the coach. One guy's saying, I haven't paid attention in three weeks. They're making fun of the coach and how he coaches and how he tells them stuff. It's like, you notice he's never instructing anything. He's just repeating stuff. So the dash cam video got leaked online. Wow. And this, this photo, you have to watch this video. I feel awful for these players. Like, it's such a gross invasion of privacy. And I'm really curious how the senators react to this. Because nothing they're saying is wrong. Their team sucks. Their team's awful. So they're not wrong. And the idea that a bunch of players who don't believe they're being filmed could be like everyone is at a job where they've they've talked shit about what's going on at work. It just happens. Unfortunately, these guys got caught on a on a camera in Uber and they're gonna be scarred for life to ever talk inside of an Uber ever again in their life. This sounds like the best episode of like whatever sitcom that the Ottawa Senators might must be secretly filming. Uh, uh, it, it, the fact that it's hockey players too. Like the NHL, hockey as a sport. It is like the most of the like driest personalities. Yes, it's it's dry personalities, but it's also these players and this culture that they live amongst this code. So this is going to be like the biggest controversy in hockey's history over the next month that this thing is going to be debated. And it's a real simple conclusion. The coach has to just swallow it and say, you know what? I am not bigger than these four players. And if anyone's on the chopping block, it's me, the coach. So I've got to just allow the fact that these guys got caught and let them off. I love that, you know, like basketball has like, you know, your Kobe Bryant's and then like football has their like, uh, uh, you know, Colin uh, Kaepernick's and hockey is a bunch of guys getting caught in an Uber talking shit about their boss. That oh, th- tells you all you need to know about Canadians. Dude, the fact it's a Canadian hockey team, I guarantee you, this thing is going to dominate sports over, like, this is going to be, I just know, this is going to be, like, the biggest hockey story of the year, and it's so stupid. I got to watch this video. Yeah, wow. it's, like, five minutes, and the driver, I mean, I don't know who posted this. Like, I don't even know, like, where is that footage going to? Is it, it going to, to like... the driver. How could... Is how- it just the driver? Would it be going to anywhere else like does uber just record all of the i don't think so man i've, I've driven uber uber and i i didn't so know it that. would just be the driver who would have the ability to yeah i don't know unless it like uber and ottawa Because this like guy this guy's never going to be able to show his face in ottawa again like tearing this team apart well yeah he might not uh 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? People have been able to turn uh, turn their celebrity into different things. Maybe he'll. I I don't know. I don't know how he could parlay this, but maybe they're start they, like a TMZ. It's, it's such a Canadian hockey thing too. Like part of their like their their like diss track is like knocking their penalty killing percentage, and the guy pulls out his phone to read off their stats for penalty killing. It's like Man. they're all laughing at like how bad they are as a team. I mean, they've given up like I'm looking at that. They've given up 59 goals already in this season. I think that's the most in the entire NHL. This must this might be the most Canadian uh, banter we've ever had. On oh, definitely. They've got 13 points. They're not like, uh, like they're among the worst, but they're not the worst team. They're not the LA Kings. How are the Leafs doing this year? The Leafs are doing really well. They've got 18 points. They're nine and five. We're just behind the Lightning. Well, so the season just started though. Yeah, we've got. Well, you've got Nylander, who's just off fucking around because of this whole contract issue. You really don't want to talk about this match. I don't. I hated this match with all of my being. This was an Elias match that went over 14 minutes of television time. Oh, man. The longest headlock in the world was applied by Ziggler. Elias got out. He missed an elbow drop. We went to a commercial. Ziggler used a rear naked choke. Blah, 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 blah. Hits the zigzag. Elias gets his foot on the bottom rope. Ziggler complains to the referee. Drift away. I did hours ago. And Elias won. Yeah, this was a strange one. Um, so this was the second, I think, a week of Elias' babyface run. Uh, his second match on Raw as a babyface. Last week, I felt like it was short, um, but also, yeah, obviously wasn't all that good. This week was not short. This was a long match. And it was a strange one because, like, it felt almost as if they were encouraging the crowd to take it over. Like, I'm talking, you know, all the ingredients were there for this crowd to just, like, if they had beach balls allowed, they would throw beach balls. But, you know, maybe instead they were looking to elicit the chant. That's why maybe you got the, the Seven Nation Army stuff at the beginning. Um, you know, this is Elias after all. But, like, we saw long headlocks, very basic offense, basically just a lot of breaks. And the crowd didn't really take over. Like, you got them chanting at times, but... I didn't feel like it took over the way that I think I've seen post-Mania crowds or even some some of the best UK crowds take it over. Instead, like, what we were left with was just a pretty boring match. So, I, what, a, what a win for the company. Yeah. So, I don't know what they were going for here. Um, Elias, as a babyface, I think he's a very lovable character. But as a, as a wrestling babyface, uh, I don't know. Something needs to... Something needs to to change. He has a lot of charisma. Like, I'm not going to deny that at all. Mm -hmm. It's just, this to me is the worst recipe for Elias matches. 14 minutes is not the way that this guy is going to get over. Or or at least maintain the level he is at in terms of popularity. I think he's going to be less popular if he keeps having performances like this. And it's too bad because, like, I think for somebody like him, like, being able to wrestle is sort of, like... The, your biggest obstacle in having in being able to be presented as a main eventer. It's the thing that's keeping you from being a mid-card comedy act to being a main eventer that's serious and could be a world champion. And I don't know if he's ready for it. Maybe he'll go work some Evolve dates. Wouldn't be the worst idea. Um, I skipped over. They did a 
Some highlights of the Lucha House Party, Revival Cut, of course a selfie promo, knocking their flips, their piñatas, and they are the loser House Party, and they're going to send them back to 205 Live. So that means Lucha House Party has left 205 Live. Or that means the Revival might join 205 Live. That'd be great. That would be great to have the Revival on 205 Live. I would I go out of my be... way to watch those guys every week. I mean, I don't know. I guess they would be on TV, so or video. They would be on video. Okay. I if you give me the Lucha House Party and Revival in some combination every week on Raw, I was at this point in the mat, the show, I was dying to have these guys out. Give me ten minutes of the Revival and Kalisto and Grand Metalik. Mm-hmm. I could have used it on yeah. this show. Kurt Angle's backstage. He was interviewed by Charlie. Corbin's dangerous, but he knows his weaknesses. Got it. Rhonda comes out. She notes it's very cute and adorable that Becky thinks she's going to rip her arm off. And she understands why people love her. And that led to the crowd chanting Becky. And she acknowledges it. She calls it a performance of a lifetime that Becky had at Evolution. And she respects her. But don't mistake my respect for weakness. When Becky's alarm was going off in the morning to wake her up, Rhonda was getting up by her mother trying to break her arm. When Becky was in clown college, Rhonda was preparing for the Olympics. And when Becky was an airline stewardess, she was having the most dominant run of any champion in the UFC. Well, Becky Lynch must have had some life. Like, She's just had a, a varying degree of careers. Between clown college to airline hostess to like pro wrestler, that's like... That's like, like it's, it's as much as like Barbie. Yeah, the, the, the timeline didn't exactly uh, work out. I mean, Becky was, uh, by the time Ronda won the UFC title, this was 2013. She was like with the company at this point. Anyway, uh, she's a, uh, Ronda is a natural born killer. And then she starts screaming with her angry voice about always wanting to be the best. She wants a challenge from Becky. And Becky may say that she's the man. But she's the baddest bitch on the planet. Ooh. She said the P word. Um, Drives me nuts when I type these out that baddest is never recognized by Microsoft Word as being a word. Can't you just right click and learn it? But it's just, it's like, it's telling me it's wrong. Oh. So it's like, I think combat sports needs to adjust, not Microsoft Word. Well, this was a huge test for Rhonda, I felt. You know, yeah, how did you think she did? Going out there, cutting a three-minute promo directly to the camera on live TV, I think it's a huge responsibility for somebody as new as, as her. I thought it started off kind of rough. Um, I know. thought I thought she could have been more rattled by the Becky chance, and she That's didn't seem to be. To her credit, like she acknowledged it, and she ran with it, which I think um, you know show, shows like real maturity. Uh, like, and the audience also didn't try to overtake her with Becky Chance. Like, it, it could have been a more hostile crowd that was pro Becky. Mm-hmm. I thought it started a bit rough, but then, like, when she got into her real life story, like the stuff about her mother waking her up in the mornings, she was able to sound really convincing and heated, and I believe that. But then there was a point where she got back into like scripted, angry wrestler mode, and that's when she has to deliver like these overwritten lines, like, "I am a natural born killer, beaten to a fine edge." I don't know anybody who would ever say something like that. I I used to say that all the <laughs> time to my friends. So, you know, maybe I thought it started a bit rough, but maybe with a few more reps, her promo ability will eventually be beaten to a fine edge. Isn't it amazing that with Rhonda and how much stock they've put into her 
that she doesn't have to come out and do comedy with these promos. She doesn't have to go on for 15 minutes. Who you're, who are you referring to? I'm just saying, like, how many examples do you see of guys where it's like, well, now that they're main eventers, we've got to we've got to make them so versatile, and they've got to do this this ridiculous comedy that falls flat because everyone's got to be the Rock. And with Ronda, they understand what her strengths are, and they're not they don't do any bullshit with her. And she's one of the most over people in the company. I wonder how much of that comes down to like how much they're paying people. Because certainly, like with somebody like Brock Lesnar, they're not willing to risk. Isn't that isn't that very telling? Our most significant people, we understand we don't need this comedy bullshit to water them down. Yeah. But for John Cena or for Roman Reigns, remember how much Roman Reigns had to go through that stuff? Yeah. Suffering succotash. Yeah. I mean, Cena, like he tried his best to make it work. But man, he got, he always had to do that stuff. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is Cena himself, though. Like, wanting to do stuff like that. And it's also, like, a different audience. Like, he's very much targeted towards children who kind of like his corniness. I see Ronda being uh, a character lots of kids would get into. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true, too. Uh, I, think they, hey, I think they often mistake what appeals to kids. If you're telling me you want to see the uh, Ronda Rousey comedy hour, um, maybe someday. Maybe someday we'll get it. You know? She could follow in Kurt's footsteps. Nia walked out. She loves how fired up Ronda is. And she knows that Ronda won't let the raw brand down at Survivor Series. But after she taps out Becky, Nia's going to be waiting for her. Ronda's like, okay, later. And she left. Ember came out. The friends had another match. Nia Jax versus Ember Moon. Way's feud of the year. We have Nia just destroying Moon. Rag dolls her across the ring. Lifts her up by the throat. And then Moon comes back with kicks uh, gets knocked down by a headbutt, and then it ends with a fire up by Ember Moon, including a discus lariat, only gets a two count, and then Jax nails her with a Samoan drop and wins just under five minutes. And then Tamina comes out. She lifts up Ember. She hits her with her own Samoan drop, then applies a Boston Crab as Nia just drops several elbows onto Ember. Everyone's booing. Nia and Tamina hug, and then Nia Jax just loses her mind. She is screaming. She is so happy that Tamina is her friend. And she, she yells, I won. Yeah. So, yeah, this was Nia's uh, official heel turn. She She's already kind of shown shades of it, I would say, uh, throughout the weeks, being a lot more cocky. And I would say this, yeah, this was the official. Um, I think she's a lot better as a heel. Um, she's... If you if you see her on Divas, which I feel like is probably closer to a real personality, she she's easy to dislike, I would say. I think um, she's kind of often very smug, and uh, she has no trouble conveying that in a, in a wrestling character sense. And I, I like the turn a lot. Um, I think, you know, with Ronda in, in the picture, you don't really have much for Nia as a babyface. And in fact, you're, you're treating Nia as Ronda's next opponent. Well, I mean, Ronda has beaten her. Am I right? Yeah, she beat her, right? Yes. Yeah, so Ronda's already beaten her. You got to heat her up for another rematch. And I think, you know, having Tamina basically be her second gives Nia that bit of extra edge that she can return back to uh, title contention with. How, uh, how did it go? At mo- uh, it was Money in the Bank. They had the match. Ronda had her beat, but then Alexa stopped Ronda, right? Because then Alexa cashed in on Nia? I think so. 
Yes, I so see. Mi- yeah, you're right. So she, so Ronda, so Ronda doesn't right. have the win over her. Right. But okay. they did the match. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it'll be a lot more interesting with Nia as a heel against the babyface Ronda. That's probably a bit more over now than she was back then. Um, When's this going to be? The, like the TLC show in December? That's what I, I would imagine. Well, Survivor Series. Oh, wait. No, no. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. TLC. TLC. I guess that. Like, you could hold it off to the Rumble, but I don't see them waiting that long for this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, Ember Moon just finds herself as roadkill. It was unfortunate because, like, I mean, last week, I, I like, at the Evolution, she was one of the... It, it completely perplexes me because, like, like I said, in Evolution, like, she was really kind of, I felt, being treated as the ultimate underdog going up against these two. I think that story's still there, obviously. You know, Ember can, still has to get her revenge. It's been, like, too many weeks now of it that I... I think she's the female Finn Balor. I mean, it could be that, too. Yeah. Kayla Braxton was with Finn Balor with the worst t-shirt. We could never sell this thing. I didn't notice it. Oh, it! Imagine you vomited white out over a black T-shirt, and that's what this is. That somehow is supposed to say Finn Balor, but it just looks—it's one of the worst wrestling T-shirts of all time. He puts over the toughness of Bobby Lashley and says, "Balor Club is for everyone tonight." Corbin's trying to leave. He's got an emergency appointment, and he tells Charlie that Angle can now face Drew McIntyre instead of him tonight. And then Braun chases after the moving car, and that was the end of our chase. Baron Corbin actually said to Charlie, you're like a bad penny. You keep showing up. I know this is like a saying. I Googled it and it's actually a saying, but I don't, I've never heard anybody my age say this. I've never heard anybody of any age, probably under, I can't see, I can imagine anybody under the age of 85 saying something like this. Well, they're trying to, I don't know. I don't know who came up with this line. I'd never heard it in my life, so I can't say I've uh, I was familiar with the line. Nor did I have the uh, interest to even look it up. So I'm glad you did for the listeners' benefit. Lashley and Leo Rush were out. Rush cuts a promo. He wishes they were in Liverpool. Boo! That's not where we live. And then Lashley starts bending over. To flex his ass for the crowd. And oh Rush says... God. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. <laughs> they killed Bobby Lashley. Here. <laughs> like, he was already dead. This was the nail... The, the these two are just... It's go away for me at this point with these two. This was his Brock in the Sombrero moment. This was his Goldberg in a wig moment. They had Bobby <laughs> Lashley. MMA... Legit MMA fighter. Okay? Like, um, you know, veteran of, of like... <laughs> Uh, uh, in wrestling, you know, had a had a good run in TNA. Comes out here, <laughs> and the start of this segment is him bending over, presenting himself to the audience. And I don't know if in England this is supposed to be some type of ultimate insult or what. I don't know, but I can't imagine Bobby Lashley was happy when he saw the rundown and it said, "You're gonna face the audience and you're gonna bend over and you're gonna do it to every side of the ring." He's was- bending over. And the punchline, the punchline is Leo Rush informing the crowd, he's not doing this to insult you. He's showing off his glutes, which Corey Graves had already mentioned uh, several minutes before. This was so stupid. Like these two, it just is not working at all with me. 
Lashley in this company is not working. And I thought this guy was, I can't say anyone is like, un, is like beyond being screwed up, but I could not envision Bobby Lashley coming back to this company. And I just look at him. It's like, man, this guy's going to have no problem. Vince loved this guy. He loved this guy during the first time around. Like, it should be no problem. He is not going to have any issue that others would. And it's just astounding. And, like, I think we all thought, you know, the heel turn was what he was missing. Like, we all thought, like, oh, okay, like, as a heel now, he'll probably be able to show what he showed in TNA. Um, but I I almost feel like this is worse than when he was a babyface. Uh, for whatever reason, like, he just, like, he's trying to do a narcissist gimmick now. And it's just, I don't even think as a somebody who poses, he's very good at it. So, I there's something about like what he's doing right now, where I get the sense he feels really uncomfortable. Like it's clearly not clicking, and he's when he's out there now, he almost looks like a bit more like a rookie than you know somebody who's been doing this for over a decade. So we got Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley again. Uh, Lashley hit a vertical suplex into the ring. He missed Balor in the corner, so Balor hits the Insiguri, but the coup de grace stopped when Leo Rush distracts him. He sends Lashley to the floor with a baseball slide, uh, delivers a baseball slide drop kick to Leo Rush, and then he goes for a running drop kick to to Rush, but is stopped by Lashley as he drives him into the barricade. Lashley hits the slam off his shoulders and pins Balor in six and a half minutes. Yeah, I mean, crowd didn't feel all that into it, despite this being a, a Finn Balor match. Um, he loses in the UK. And the boring match. Yeah, that was most of Raw. Drew McIntyre came out. He gets into Lashley's face. Lashley leaves. And then Drew helps up Balor. And Cole talks about their history together. Like, okay, that, that's really been fleshed out. Um, he helps up Balor. And then he just lays him out with the Claymore kick. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I, I do. What a night for Finn Balor! Do you get the sense that they're building to Balor and McIntyre? Uh, maybe on TV where Drew's going to kill him. Yeah, but but that's it. Yeah, he's not going to beat Finn Balor's not going to beat him. Unfortunately, no mm. one's beating Drew McIntyre. Yeah, but you know, look at look at those two. Okay, look at Drew McIntyre and then look at Bobby Lashley. You have, <sighs> you can't have two more different results of TNA converts than those two. You know, since he's returned, Drew has. His stock has, has risen and, and continues to rise. Meanwhile, Bobby Lashley is bending over, showing his ass to England and having shitty matches. It's a great comparison. And like I just thought Lashley coming out of TNA, it's like this guy, he found his personality. He's got a charisma about him. He's improved in the ring. He's not, you know, world class, but he was more than good enough in the ring. And... You know, if I had to, if I was looking at both guys fresh coming back to WWE, I would have thought that Lashley would have been the one that would be um, ahead of Drew. Me too. At, at this point, yeah. I and, mean, look, like because Drew was the guy who used to be in three MB. Lashley was at least at least like pretty well protected throughout his entire first run. So they plug next week. Stephanie McMahon is on the show. Alexa Bliss will announce the women's team, and Brock Lesnar will be on Raw. There was no announcement that we'll get the men's team, but I presume that's going to happen as well. Yeah, I, I would think so with one week to go. Yeah. So our main event was Drew McIntyre and Kurt Angle, who did have some matches together in TNA this two and a, a half years ago. 
Like, I, you know, because they, they're, they're uh, Baron left today, like, it tells me that they're building up towards Baron versus Angle as your ultimate program. But this is the far better match, right? Angle McIntyre? Yes. yes. So, I don't know. Th- this crowd, I don't know if they had just been worn out from this show. Um, they got into some stuff, but it was, I don't know, for, for a Kurt Angle singles match, I, I didn't get the sense that this was a big deal. I, and maybe that's just the handling of Kurt himself. Well, that, I, I felt the same thing watching Crown Jewel. Like yeah. to me, like it's been so understated that Kurt Angle, a man who's been who hasn't had a singles match in like uh what is it, twelve, thirteen years? He is uh wrestling now. And uh it didn't feel like that big of a deal. So uh that's the sense I like for me I think it comes down to like promotion. And Kurt Angle coming back, um, you know, like think about about how special he felt in that Shield return. Yeah, so, didn't really feel that way uh, on both of these days. So Angle immediately jumps Drew. He's stomping and punching him, and then Drew stops him with a headbutt, and he's working over Angle's arm. And Angle hits the Angle slam, but Drew rolls to the floor for the first commercial break. Drew takes over after throwing him into the steps. Angle uh, gets out. Lands three Germans, and then as he runs the ropes, he runs into a Claymore kick. And Drew's yelling at him, calling him an embarrassment to himself, an embarrassment to his family, and he's nothing. And this causes Angle to snap. He he applies the ankle lock as the place comes alive at this point. Drew kicks out of the ankle lock, but his ankle is hurt. Then Drew gets up and hits the ankle slam. And then he applies the ankle lock onto Kurt, and Kurt's fighting it. But he taps out to his own submission. And oh, man. this reaction from this crowd, there is uh, jubilation. There is anger. But seldom do you feel the emotion of sadness that this crowd experienced as Angle tapped. Like, oh, that's really bad. <laughs> That's a, that's that's exactly a great description of what I felt coming out of this. Going into this match, like the promotion for Kurt Angle was that he was going to beat, or he could have beaten Baron Corbin in order to lead the Survivor Series team. Everybody applauded. The whole arena cheered. We all want to see it. Me at home, I want to see it. I think Kurt Angle, like, you lost Roman Reigns. I think Kurt Angle was a great substitute for that star power, at least temporarily. So going into this match, that's what I thought. And then throughout the course of the match, like this was about as 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 a uh, final of a beating you could give a hero uh, as you could have. Like, I know that they're going to use it to set up something, probably something about Baron Baron Corbin versus Kurt Angle. But at the end of this, you you had Drew Drew McIntyre goad Kurt Angle basically into Super Saiyan mode. Okay, you've insulted his family. Um, you've like just like you've hit your finisher on him and you didn't pin him. Uh, he's really angry now. He fires up. Yet at the end of this, Drew McIntyre not only beats him, he beats him, taps him out. He taps him out with his own submission. So, to me, this was like them telling us, "Hey, this Kurt Angle, he's a washed-up character, and we might be starting to tell up a, a character of a washed, oh, sorry, a story of a washed-up character." Or, um. I don't know. I, I I mean, I was I was very disappointed because I saw a, a main run from Kurt Angle uh, coming out of this, and 
Obviously, whoever is in charge doesn't, because this seems like they're relegating Kurt Angle more to, you know, uh, has been. It, it definitely came off that this is a story they're trying to get over with Kurt. And I don't know if it's the idea that he's facing the end of his career and it's going to be this big, like, last run that they get out of it, or if this was just pretty final. And I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of faith when it comes to long term booking. I think there's a way that you can tell an interesting story with a guy who is facing the end of his career and he can't hang with the the guys that are in their prime. And you could tell a really interesting story with that. But the WWE typically does not handle their legends very well in these kinds of scenarios. And it would not stun me if his his redemption is beating Baron Corbin next week to get onto the Survivor Series team. I don't know. That's that's it, what it seems like the ultimate goal is for Kurt Angle. I mean, I don't even know if it would end with him joining the Survivor Series team. It could just be him beating Kurt uh, Baron Corbin, happy ending, you know, as if that's any type of uh, consolation, right? Maybe. Um, it ended with Cole asking if Drew has ended Angle's career, and Corey calls it humiliating as Angle was left in the ring to end the show. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we'll was see, it. We'll see how they follow up on it. I mean, the focus was, I would say, put on Kurt Angle at the end of this. So I think you can expect some type of follow up uh, as a result of it. I just, I think it's almost a little too soon, though, because you watch the guy in ring. The man can still go. Like, I think you could do a whole lot more with him than to, to you know, fast forward to like a retirement storyline. But, you know, well, we'll see. Yeah. So that was raw. I thought uh, this was a really boring episode of raw i struggled throughout this this show yeah i um you know if it wasn't for uh maybe um the coffee i had uh i could see that i i think i enjoyed watching this show from a critical standpoint i thought there was a lot that you could uh feel unhappy about oh Um, great so as a critic uh I, I felt engaged because I thought there was so much wrong with it. Um, but I could see watching it as a fan, maybe not being that interested. All right, let's go and get some feedback before we wrap up the show. Oh, tonight's episode of Raw, scale of 1 to 10. I'll go with a 2. What are you predicting? I'm guessing, like, you know, the wrestling, I think, was 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 decent. You know, especially, like, the main event, which I actually thought was good, even though the crowd wasn't all that into it. I'm going to say, like, I'm going to say, like, a let me say something positive about the show. I feel I've really dogged it. I think they're doing a great job with Drew McIntyre. They're yes. going all the way with him. Mm-hmm. There's none of this 50-50 booking. They have it in their mind. He's a star. He is going to be a champion. Nobody beats him. And he just feels super strong at the moment. And they're doing a great job with him. Yeah, I agree. Tonight's show generates a 3.91. Oh, man. Somewhere in the middle. All right, let's uh, start off here with our first piece of feedback. Hi, guys. I attended the show live, and I'll be at SmackDown tomorrow as well. Personal highlights were the Braun segments, especially the guy clinging onto Braun's ankle and being dragged around. It was just what Braun needed after that debacle at Crown Jewel. The crowd was ridiculously into Finn, Elias, and Kurt. And from a live perspective, it was just disappointing to see how Kurt was treated in the main event. As Jim Cornette says... You need to make the fans mad, not sad, if you want them to come back. And this was one of the sadder things I've seen. Totally Interesting how he notes the audience, because 
I could hear them being really big into Elias for the singing portion, but it did not come across as they were going nuts for Finn or Kurt, I found. Yeah, um, you're right. Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Maybe maybe they were not as impressed. Uh, Rollins, I felt like, got a pretty good reaction. Ronda was booed vociferously when a video discussing her match with Becky was shown prior to Raw and Becky was cheered. However, when it became obvious Ronda had made the trip, the crowd turned quicker than the big show and started cheering for her. I was also a little sad to see Leo Rush isn't still doing his talking through the match gimmick because his Lashley chan is annoying as all hell, and I wanted to troll my girlfriend by joining in with it. Nearly all the seats behind the hard camera were covered off. Arena was probably 60 to 70% full, which was eye-opening for me for a UK TV taping. Hmm, interesting. Thanks for the live report. Yes, always great to hear from people live. We go to Alexander from Portland who says, I gotta give WWE kudos. They recapped Crown Jewel, but didn't actually say Crown Jewel at all during the broadcast. Crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, That's amazing. Wow. They deserve praise for it. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy how the last time WWE was in England, Jinder Mahal was WWE champion, and now he loses to Apollo Crews in five minutes. What else is crazy that WWE doesn't give Angle's first match on Raw? Is that WWE doesn't give Angle's first match on Raw in 12 years any more than three hours of build. Angle, like Mysterio, just feels like another guy on the roster to me now. Question, which match do you think will main event Survivor Series? With Lesnar only appearing once to build up a match against AJ and no under siege for the 5-on-5, how can Becky and Ronda not main event? Secondly, do you think Becky and Ronda will end clean? I do think they'll end up closing the show with Brock and AJ. But I would not be... If Becky and Ronda feels like the hotter program, I think you should end with them. I think that will be the hotter hotter program. I mean, you can already tell from the reaction... I think they should. I think absolutely they should end with Becky and Ronda. Especially um, if you figure Brock is going over in their match and Ronda's going over in the other. Yeah. Although, I don't I don't know what kind of reaction that's going to get uh, if Becky is tapping I, out to Ronda. I don't even, I'm not even so sure that you'll have Becky, uh, you know, uh, Becky lose to Ronda. Because uh, his second question, do you think Becky and Ronda will end clean? Well, you, you, you have Nia Jax lying around too. Mm-hmm. Um, to build that match up, and you know, I can see something happening there. But I don't think it's a lock that Becky loses. I think it's a very easy finish for them to do because you have to remember in their mind, Becky's a heel, and her losing, it's just more ammunition for this character that she can come out and make whatever excuses. And I, I think Ronda's winning that match. Well, one I don't of the think- thing, one of the things we've seen though is that like they don't necessarily like doing. Uh, undefeated streaks because I think part of the concern is that where do you go with a character after your undefeated streak and I can see them wanting to basically you know pop off that seal just to you know in a way that still protects Ronda just so that you can move her past this you know uh, streak yeah I just don't see Becky being the one that beats her but uh, going on last I think especially in LA which is you know historically a big market for Ronda I think there's a good argument to to put those two on last on the show. And I think that you have no hesitation that they can that they can follow the prior matches. I think it'll be a very good match. I suppose if you're not going to get get a clean finish, uh that might not main event, you know, I could mm. uh, but do you see a clean finish for AJ and and Brock? Uh AJ losing again? Yeah, again it's um you know, realistically 
Did, did, did people hold it against AJ that he lost last? I, like, I just question how much people really put into so then, the the world championship that even ten years ago they they did. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're right, especially for AJ. Um, but I understand I what know. you're saying. I it's could... it's it's really just drilling home the point. Okay, we got Andrew from Cape Breton. Raw seemed to have some recent post-wrestling favorites. The geeks on the stage <laughs> beating Ember Moon into powder and the exploit- exploitative angles. I oh, guess- they had the, Trini- the Trinity tonight. Yes, the real... The hat trick. <laughs> I guess the hat trick. I guess if you're taking money from a government that likely was involved in the murder of a descendant journalist, you can't really get lower than that. So, what do you guys predict Ruby Riot does next week? Maybe she breaks one of Kevin Owens' slammies. No, Owen oh, Hart's. Oh, Owen Hart's sl- slammies. Maybe she tears up one of Bulldog's old Union Jack capes. But yeah, other than that, Raw was okay. The main event was one of the best main events in a while, and I'm wondering if they might go with McIntyre versus Angle at WrestleMania. With how that match turned out anyway. That that match at WrestleMania? No. I mean, who knows? Who knows uh, uh, up until this point? Oh, but they'd... from what I can tell with Kurt Angle, I don't even know. Do you think Kurt Angle gets on WrestleMania? Yes. Yes, I do. I think so, too. Um... Okay, well, how about, that? how about this other question? Do you think, uh, like, what do you think they're building towards with this uh, Natalia, um, Jim Neidhart thing? Uh, I don't even want to guess. It's, I I don't like the direction they're going, that it's going to, you know, that she's, you know, mourning the loss of her father is going yep. to be the character. That's what it feels like. Can Brett come back? Can Brett come back to what, like, I don't pick know, up her manager. spirits? Yeah, I I don't like WWE going in these directions, so I'm not uh, I'm not looking forward to where they go. I man, uh, I actually prefer the Riot Squad with ketchup and mustard. Um, your turn. Are you sure? Yeah, it's not you. Pretty sure Bra- it's not me. Okay, Brandon from New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> my dearest new marketers, what's good, my friends? Glad I'm back. I usually avoid these European Raws because I read the spoilers. But I was curious today due to the events of Crown Royal, so I checked it out. Alas, I was disappointed. It was a wet fart of a show. British people deserve better than Vince hates accents. I dug the authors, McIntyre, and Cheese Mega Heel Push, and the Tamina Nash Nia Jax forming of Samoan SWAT 2.0. But otherwise, the show was blah. Meanderings of a madman. Notice only one Singh brother was with Jinder tonight. Relax. He was allowed one carry-on per flight. Good on AOP, Akam, and Luke Thomas for winning the belts. Glad their push is starting to bear fruit. What's up with the Dolph loss tonight? Jet lag from the flight from Crown Royal? Rousey acting like the rapper... Ra- You're going to have to help me out, way. Trina, Trina, Trina. I think I he. I don't know if he like purposely goes out of his way to come up with creative misspellings for every single word, but um, you know these are these are puzzles to be sure. I like that this is like the first draft of the, of like a, a stand up set that we get. Our eyes oh, get I think, to see it first. I think I'm I'm willing to bet this might be the fifth or sixth draft actually. Who is flipping the bill for Floyd at Rise and FC besides the mob? I'm out of here. Peace. Thank you, Brent, Brandon. Brandon from New Jersey. Chris says, best part of the night was the enhanced talent getting absolutely decimated by Braun. Outside of that, what a lackluster UK Raw. They usually are better than your average show. 
I'm not sure how they're going to play it off on Tuesday, but it's going to be quite a stretch to convince me not to side with Renee on this Raw SmackDown debate. Shame con comes off like a jerk in all this. John, can you confirm or deny if any if all of this is leading to a HPK Ziggler Jericho Shane match to once and for all own the title best in the world? No, it's not. I don't think Sean would lay claim to that title after Friday. I don't think he himself would uh, be stating that. Yeah. Next one here from Dubs. Not loving how far they're going babyface with Elias. He didn't even retain enough edge to razz the hometown crowd. Then this, this full song, lame song, no interruption crap. This can't last and will not do well. He was my favorite part of Raw. Some of his best work was when he didn't even get to play a note. Otherwise, I was pretty locked into fast forward mode for this Monday's edition. Jalen from Pickering. I only caught a few of the things, but that Nia match and post-match segment seemed oddly quiet for a UK crowd. And I love the booking of the main event. I'm all in on Drew, and they seem to be too. A match with Brock seems inevitable with how similar the main event and Brock's match with Hogan was. MJ from Jersey. I, Did you know... I mean, okay. What? Did it... Yeah, I mean, I remember that Hogan-Brock match. Um, But I feel like Hogan still had some value at that point. You know, sorry. What, what was the point he made about Hogan and uh, Brock? He thinks um, he thinks Brock and Drew will be a match that they're going to build towards. Because oh, Brock, Brock and Drew. Yeah. Oh, I could totally see that being a match that they could potentially go to. Yeah. Anyway, okay, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, MJ writes. Did you know a bet on Elias being the most over NXT call up would have paid thirty five to one. Sometimes Renee doesn't talk for 10 minutes, then chimes in, and it's jarring. Hindsight is 2020, but Braun was organically over as a massive face two months ago and already feels like the forced new guy. Another reason to go with the crowd when the character direction is organic. Let's see how they do with Rousey. She cut a good heel promo tonight. If I had to place a prop bet on whether Brock shows up with the WWE title tomorrow, I'd place a large sum of money on yes. If UFC is down to plug WWE after their heavyweight fight... What would be better business for Vince than to have Cormier on Raw or the title on a UFC pay-per-view? There is no downside to this that I will accept as bad for business. Your champion is featured in the main event on UFC, and their champion is in your ring. It's a license to print money, and I don't know who says no. The press alone would be enough to make Vince... I don't know what he was going for here, but anyway. I do. I um, won't say it. Okay. Um, yeah, I listen, I think it's a good idea to do, and I think that... I would go ahead and I would leave the title on Brock and let him fight Daniel Cormier. Uh, you know, uh, you can't, you can never say never. I guess there's a first time for everything. Get a segment on Raw with Cormier. I, you know what? Like, I mean, I, I think there's some talk about what he might do after his uh, MMA career. Uh, I think obviously he's a shoe in to be a commentator for UFC, but I, I'm curious to see how he would do as a wrestling commentator too. One more. Anthony says, Was Vince not at Raw because Leo Rush seemed so lost in that segment with Lashley? The narcissist gimmick doesn't work for Lashley. <laughs> then again, they don't know what or how Bobby Lashley is. His physical strength and endurance has worked in previous segments, not his body, muscles, or his booty. I completely agree. I completely agree with Anthony here that... Um, Lashley has never been about, you know, the body. It's about, He's been about being crazy athlete. Uh, and to me, it feels like the discomfort he has with 
primarily kind of being the bodybuilder instead of being the crazy athlete, it really kind of shows in his performances. Thanks, everybody, for your feedback. You can always post it at forum.postwrestling.com. That's going to bring an end to the show. But coming up this week, uh, it's a calmer week at the post office. We're going to be back on Tuesday night with Rewind to SmackDown. And then immediately after, you can go over, if you're a member of the the brand new revamped Post Wrestling Cafe, and check out the double shot. Then on Thursday, we've got Up Next with Braden and Davey. And Thursday, for Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso members, Way and I will be doing our video show. So we will catch you up on... Whatever news happens uh, on Thursday and hanging out with many of you. Friday, it's a return of Rewind Away where we are chatting Payback 2013 headlined by John Cena versus Ryback in a three stages of hell match. Plus, after all these years, CM Punk's back. He returns in Chicago against Chris Jericho. Looking forward to it. And then Saturday, we've got a new Eggshells with uh, Chris Charlton. He'll be joined by Joel Abraham of the Super J-Cast chatting 2009. Tough act to follow, I've got to say, after Way's tremendous appearance on this past weekend's 2008 show. What a revelation, Way, you discovered on the Global Impact special of 2008. Right, you're referring to um, me noticing be- fat-ass masa of being the elite fame. On an episode of TNA in 2008. That's amazing that you spotted him. You know, that's that's why Way's the best. Have you seen this week's uh, or last week's being the elite and this week's? I guess I did not watch last week's. I did watch this week's, and okay. I gotta say, the final two minutes was very funny. I've I've just watched last week's and I haven't watched this week's yet. But uh, okay, they were um, they were lengthy ones, but there there's there's definitely stuff to talk about. Yeah. Okay, well, we will chat about that on the Double Shot. Uh, Thank you to everyone again for uh, checking out all of our shows over the weekend. Uh, We had shows after Crown Jewel, after Power Struggle, after UFC 230, and Way's appearance on Eggshells. So those are all up. Postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and store.postwrestling.com. We've got a third one now. Yeah, a third child. A third child. That is it. Good night, and we will speak with you Tuesday night after SmackDown.